0: The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Really confusing and don't make a lot of sense. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the cultural gaps between the world we live in and the world that would have been true in Moses' time. Um, so, so we can't direct, the, we, we can't think of, about them as something we apply to our lives directly. Um, oftentimes what people try to do is take out of them some general principles, but even that can be very challenging and difficult. Um, and as we'll see, uh, it's, it's just so different that even trying to come up with some principle can be very dangerous and can lead us to places we probably don't really want to go. Um, but what I want to do and what I think uh, it's, it's value for us is that the covenant really does express clear core values that express God's heart, right? So if we can kind of peel away some of the cultural differences, some of the confusing things about the customs of their day and get to the heart of it, we will see in it uh, clearly what God's values were and, and what God held as most important. And from that, uh, we, we can think about uh, how this should shape our own core values about what's important and valuable to us. And the first section, what we will see is that God clearly values uh, human beings as the pinnacle of his creation, that we are people of great worth. Uh, we live in a time and an age where uh, people are very aware and, and talk a lot. Psychologists talk a lot about this topic of self-worth. Uh, what is your self-worth? Do you have good self-worth? Do you have bad self-worth? Um, and and it's, it's an incredible thing and truth about what, what it means for us to be humans is that we're able to ponder and contemplate such things. I can promise you your dog does not lie around contemplating his self-worth, right? Contemplates maybe steak, right? Uh, or if you're going to give him a belly rub. But he really doesn't contemplate his own self-worth. But human beings have the capacity to do that, and not only can we do it, but it, for us, it's not just idle curiosity. We know for a fact, uh, research has proven this out over and over, that our sense of worth, our sense of value that we place on ourselves, has huge implications for how our whole life works. If we feel good about ourselves, if we're happy, if we have the right kind of identity, all are rooted in our sense of worth. Um, But that's created really a huge problem for the modern world. And the world we live in that is controlled by naturalism and and, uh, principles of science as being the source of all truth um, has taught humanity worldwide that humans are simply the result of a cosmic accident, right? We are simply the result of of, uh, billions of years of evolutionary process. And if you believe that, if you hold to that, that you're nothing more than just space dust, randomly arranged to create you. Um, There's no worth, okay? Bottom line is, there's no purpose, there's no meaning to your life, and your life has no worth, right? That's uh, painfully obvious for anybody who's willing to to think about it, uh, what the the implications of evolution are. You're just an accident. How can an accident have worth or purpose? Um, You're nothing more... Uh, than a biological sack of chemical reactions. And, and you cannot be distinguished from a, a slug or an amoeba. Okay, Well, you can't distinguish it. You're higher on the evolutionary scale, right? But you're no different, right? So you, your worth is, is the same as an amoeba or a slug. Okay, that's something to get excited about. It's no wonder that people in the modern world wrestle with this concept right, and struggle with it. Uh, because the natural outcome of this worldview is that you're, you're no different than any other organism, living or dead, on, on the planet or the universe. The problem, though, is that human beings uh, have this innate sense, and it screams out that our life it has to be worth something. Right? We, we just don't accept this, that, oh yeah, I'm just space dust, the value of, of an amoeba, that's okay. Nobody can, nobody can accept that. Nobody in the world, nobody in society, nowhere are people okay with that. Everybody struggles with this issue and it screams out that there must be more to us than a string of DNA and ongoing chemical reactions. So modern psychology has faced this problem by inventing the concept of what they call self-worth. Remember, heard the term self-worth? If okay, you ever think about what self-worth means... Okay, what exactly do we mean? But when we talk about, we need to have good self-worth. Um, well, self-worth uh, is is defined this way. Self-worth is defined as a person's overall subjective emotional evaluation of his or her own worth. Okay, subjective means you make it up yourself. Emotional means it's just purely based on feelings, not on facts. And evaluation, meaning it's, it's how you just see yourself, as having your own worth to yourself. Uh, to put it in other words, uh, we, we determine our worth, our self-worth, by determining how valuable I am to myself. Okay? Are you valuable to yourself? Well, what a ridiculous question. If you're not you, you don't exist. So, of course, you're valuable to yourself. It's the dumbest thing ever. Okay? Uh, if you if you reflect on this, psych, the cycle of definition, my only value in the universe is how valuable I am to myself. It's a ridiculous question, right? And what what modern psychology posits is that we're supposed to feel good about ourselves because we imagine that to myself I have value. Okay. Now, in any other now, what's, what's interesting about psycho- psychological psychological language? Many psychologist. psychologists. Please don't be offended. But here's the deal, right? In any other field, this would be called being delusional, right? Like if I make up, I have an imaginary friend and and, and we're buddies. You're delusional and you go to the hospital for that. But when it comes to our self-worth, we're supposed to live with this delusion that I make up and pretend I have value to myself, right? And that's supposed to be good mental health. It's no wonder our world is so confused and lost, Right? Because the only answer we have for their cry that their life must have value is that you go make up something, right? That you pretend you're valuable to yourself, right? Of course, the alternative for that would be, uh, from human terms, is that you base your worth on how other people value you. But research and psychology and experience has shown us that this is also a terrible idea, because the reality is nobody really thinks you're that valuable, Okay, bottom line, that, that's just the reality. Now, if you're lucky, your parents. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of you who celebrate Mother's Day today. Praise God for mothers who think you're, you're valuable, right? Uh, there's one person in the world who's gonna who's gonna give you. It's gonna be your mom, right? Uh, outside of that, you know, maybe you're a spouse if you're lucky. But because here's the problem, right? If they don't even know their own worth, how can they value you? If we can't even find out and discover the base of our own worth, how can you value somebody else? It's impossible. So, so the reality is that any kind of true sense of worth must come from outside and beyond ourself. Right? You cannot have any true sense of worth unless you're just going to make it up, right? and it's going to be fairy tales, fairyland, unless you are valued by somebody beyond yourself which apparently has to be somebody beyond planet Earth. Well, the good news, of course, is that the Bible presents a very different picture of where you and I came from and what gives us worth. Right? And so when we, we come to the, these very complicated laws, um, What we're going to look at today, it'll take us a little bit. We've got to jump through some hoops to get there. But what I want you to see in the end is that what this is about, this first section, is God's incredible value he places on human beings. We are uniquely created. We are not like the animals. We are not like amoebas and slugs or even apes and monkeys or dolphins, right? Cool animals, but we are uniquely separate and distinct. And God elevates us to a place of worth and value in all of his creation that is unique and special. So we'll get there. Uh, That's kind of where we're headed. But before we get there, uh, we've got to do some background work here because uh, there's some some very difficult cultural issues we have to address, or none of this will make sense and we'll get stuck. Um, um, and, And we have to understand that this was written... To, to the people of Israel living you know, 3,000 plus years ago uh, in a very, very different world. And God did not write or intend these covenant uh, codes, covenant expectations, to be universally applied in all places at all times throughout all history. That could be said about the Ten Commandments, but not about the covenant law. Uh, Clearly, what's written here was written to a specific group of people living in a specific time period in a very unique and distinct culture from our own. Uh, Now, you can get in trouble with this, and um, please hear me. I'm not saying here that any time we disagree with something in Scripture or it's confusing to us, we can just say, well, that's just a different culture, so I can ignore it. All right, That's not what I'm saying. We're not ignoring it, but we have to understand the context, the historical context, cultural context that these commands are given in. And um, also it's important to note that, that this culture in the background is assuming a not perfect world. Okay, what God is describing and picturing here is not creating some kind of perfect utopian society. God's more realistic than that. He, he knows that, that he's dealing with people who have a fallen sin nature who are given to pride and selfishness and anger and and jealousy and laziness um, and foolish choices that have hugely devastating results. So he's talking about how to live life in a sinful world, a broken world. Um, So three cultural issues I want to look at real quick. We're going to blow through these. I could say a lot more, but we just don't have time. But the first one is slavery. here's Here's a complicated issue. Uh, he starts off in verse 1. Now, these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, what's with that? He shall serve six years, and in the seventh year he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. But if his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and children shall be her masters, and he shall not go out alone. Wow, well, this is getting really confusing. Right? What is this about? If the slave plainly says, I love my master and my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God. He shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. And the master shall bore an ear through with the all and shall be a slave forever. Okay, here's the thing. How can we claim that all human beings have incredible worth before God and sanction slavery? Hey, this seems like really troubling and disturbing. Uh, what is this about? Real quick, bottom line is the word that's used for slavery in the, here in the Bible okay, is is nothing like the word as we use it. Right, uh, the word the Hebrew word is ebed. Uh, it has it can be translated slave, servant, minister, advisor, or official. Okay, and, and bottom line, this is what it means: a slave in, in in this context, what they mean by slave is essentially anyone who is employed by someone else. Okay, are any of you employed by somebody else? Don't you kind of feel like a slave sometimes? (laughs) The idea is you're not free when you're employed by somebody else. You're not free to make up your own work. You're doing their work, right? And so they they classified that as slavery because you weren't free. You weren't self-employed. So so in biblical times, a free person was a person who was self-employed. So if you were a farmer or a shepherd or you had some kind of cottage business making furniture or pottery, right, you were free to, to use and organize your time and choose your work according to your will. Uh, but if you, if you were an employer, you, you, weren't, you didn't have that freedom. You did their work, all right? So you were called or considered a slave. Um, but it's important to note that in this context, a slave entered into their work agreement voluntarily, Voluntarily. They, they, they weren't forced into this. It was something they chose on their own. They freely elected to take this job. Uh, they, they negotiated their own wages, and they got paid. They got wages, right? Um, and they had to, to – there was a term limit of no more than six years, okay? The, the longest you could be an employee for somebody else was six years, and then they had to release you, um, the, the need behind this is that in a sinful world where people can make bad decisions, can be lazy, or where there can be natural disasters, uh, the, the picture behind this is that in Israel, everybody, every male got land. And they could work the land and farm and, and take care of themselves. But if you were lazy, foolish, bad things happen, you could accrue debt and lose your land to, to the bank, to the debtors. Uh, same thing with your house. So what happens if, if the only way to... Generate income is through your land or through your house where you have a cottage industry and you find yourself homeless and without land. How do you make money? Well, you can't. You need to get a job, right? You need to become a slave. You need to go to somebody who will hire you and give you a job and income. And usually what was negotiated is that you would work for them for a certain period of time to pay off the debt so you could get your land back. And then you could be free to go out and farm your land again or make pottery or do whatever, right? So so, so not only does the person need employment, but normally they would be homeless, right? So they need employment and a place to live and food and clothing. So the way it worked back then is that's when you hired somebody, you not only gave them a wage, but you gave them a place to stay. They usually lived in your home. It's a little different. Thankfully, you know, we don't have to live with our boss, hopefully, right? Um, uh, But in those days, that's how it worked. So it was was just different. Um, But it's important to note that the law clearly prohibits slavery in the modern sense, where somebody is taken forcefully against their own will, forced to work, and oftentimes not given any money or compensation. Verse 16 clearly says, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Clearly, Stealing, taking, forcing people to work, human trafficking was absolutely against the law, it was punishable by death. Right, so, so that's the first issue. Flying through these quickly. Second issue was uh, <laughs> I love this one selling your daughter. Okay. How are we going to get out of this one? <laughs> this, this is inescapable, right? There's no way you're going to get out of this one. It says that when a man sells his daughter as a slave, she must not go out as, as male slaves do. Okay. Well, if you read down through the passage, it says, uh, If he designates for himself, uh, and then he doesn't like her, let her be redeemed. He has no right to sell her to foreign people, since he has broken faith with her. If he designates her for his son, he he shall deal with her as with a daughter. If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. In other words, sexual intimacy. What is this talking about? This is, okay, this is not about slavery. Okay, it's not about selling our daughter to make money and having her forced labor. This is describing a marriage agreement. Okay, A marriage agreement. And in, two things you've got to know. In this culture, all marriages were arranged right, by the parents. All marriages were nego- negotiated by contract. And there was always a bride price. You always paid some price. Uh, to compensate the family for the loss of uh, the, the daughter as a, as a worker. Again, because of her worth, not because of her worthlessness. Right? Uh, we'll see that in a minute. Um, so, so selling your daughter as a, as a as a slave simply meant negotiating a bride price to marry off your daughter. Uh, but, uh, but this is not necessarily a general wife. And here's here's a problem. And, and we, you know. It's hard for us to grasp this one, but in this day, the law allowed for multiple wives. Okay, it's getting worse, right? This is not getting better. It's getting worse. Um, okay, they were allowed in the law, and in this clause, it talks about, you know, if he gets another wife, if she's a second wife, if she's a third wife, uh, this is okay. Well, why is this okay? We got, again, you got to understand the culture. In that time, in that day, in that age, It was ex- it was an extreme hardship for women to be single. Uh, now, of course, even today, it, it, there's hardships that come on, on singleness, for sure. But back in those days, to be single and to be female was especially difficult because land, the way you made money, uh, and property was was owned by, by men, right? Women did not have, typically, the right of inheritance or ownership. So that meant that a woman was uh, was in a difficult place if she was not married or with with family, with her own parents. Um, It was much more difficult for them to be independent and self-employed. Now, it could be done, but it was really, really difficult. And oftentimes it wasn't safe in that time for women to be alone. It was a hardship. Uh, And and worst of all, uh, a single woman could not have children, which meant as she grew older, there would be no one to take care of her or look after her. So it was, in many ways, far more severe than in our own world. It was very difficult for women to be single. So they just get them all married, right? The problem is, what happens if there's a lot more women than there are men, right? Which is true throughout history. There's always been more women because guys are just stupid, and they kill themselves off faster, right? Um, They go to war, they die. I mean, they do stuff, right? And and not to mention just birth rates um, tend to be more women. So if you're in a village and, uh, you know, there's 30 eligible women and there's 10 eligible bachelors, there's a problem. So the law allowed for uh, multiple wives as a way to care for especially vulnerable, probably poor women from poor families where maybe they had lost their parents or uh, their parents did not have the means to support them. So a husband could take in uh, a, a woman like this as a second or third wife, uh, as a means to care for her. Uh, but the law protected them. right? This law, if you read through it closely, it's it's protecting their rights as a wife, not as a slave. If the husband decides he wants to divorce her, he is not free to sell her as a slave. And he has to, she, she has the option to be redeemed back to her own family. Right? So, so, so when you see it uh, in, in this context, th- these laws are protecting women and women's rights and the wives of women. And if the husband uh, has a second wife and he doesn't meet her needs of food and shelter and sexual intimacy and affection, the right to have children, right, she has the right to leave because he's failing his responsibility. Uh, in, in the Bible, the story of Ruth and, and Boaz is it is is it living out of this exact scenario? Right? By the way, uh, we don't know that Boaz didn't have another wife. Doesn't actually say that, right? Doesn't say he did or didn't. Uh, but but that's what's happening in the story of Ruth and and, and uh, Naomi and Boaz. Uh, last one, blood vengeance. Go through those real real quickly. Uh, culturally, back in that in that time period, if anybody died. Uh, by someone else's hand, whether intentionally or accidentally. All right, so you're out building your house, and the hammer, you know, axe head flies off your your axe and it goes flying across and hits somebody walking down the street and kills them. Um, the 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 custom was that a family member of the person killed was obligated, had a duty to avenge the blood of the person killed by killing the one who did it. Okay, so even as a total complete accident, so just imagine, you know, you do something and somebody dies, they're coming after you, right? They're coming after you, right? Your days are numbered. Um, God certainly upholds the death penalty. And if there's an intentional killing, if there's murder, uh, the one who killed is responsible blah, blah, by paying with their own life. Uh, but God was very clear that... Uh, that, he, that you were to protect the life of an in- innocent person. Um, all right, so that, that's some of the cultural roadblocks. There's probably more. If you have more questions, you can talk to me later. All we have time for. The point is, there's a huge gap between their culture and ours. So we can't, you know, we can't view these laws as something we could somehow apply in our day and in our age and our world. Right. Uh, please don't try this one. Hey, dear, you know, I'm thinking about the whole second servant wife thing. The you know, Bible says we can. Don't even go there, right? It's a good way to just uh, invoke her to kill you. And then there's it comes with that, it breaks other laws, you know. So, um. right, so what's this all about? Well, the point is of this passage, as I said, is it, it God is showing, in spite of the cultural layers we have to dig through, that God values you. Human lives, right? um, People have incredible worth to God. We've been specially created and designed by him as the highest order uh, of creation. And all of these laws in this first section point to the value and worth of human life. And so, therefore, we are to protect it. We're to treat it with great care what's significant here is that it's not just that it's worth, but it's intrinsic worth. And intrinsic worth, what that means, it's worth that's based in the very object itself. Right? Not because of what it can do or perform or how it can help us. Um, you know, it's Mother's Day, and we certainly want to celebrate moms. And the, rea- the reality is, if we really love and appreciate our moms, we do so because we know they've done tons of stuff for us. Amen. They changed our diapers. Can you believe that? They fed us. They cooked for us. They, they loved on us when we were smelly and dirty and obnoxious. And they, they did all kinds of stuff for us, right? But our, our celebration of moms should be for more than just what they did for us. Ultimately, moms want to be honored and celebrated, not just because they are great dishwashers and cooks, right? They, they want to be valued as, as for who they are as people, because of their intrinsic worth, because their love and their heart and who they are as our moms. And for that reason, I would make the suggestion, if you're going to go shopping today for Mother's Day, that you do not buy her a, a new set of dish towels. Right? Because that's kind of communicating, Mom, we appreciate you for all the dishes you've done for us. Right? Instead, buy her something like flowers, something that has intrinsic worth. Those guys were like, we don't get flowers you know, you can't fix anything with a rose, right? It's kind of worthless, right? But, but it has intrinsic worth. It's beauty, it's grace, it's, it's, it's fragrance. It has intrinsic worth, right? Um, well, we as human beings, as God's creation, have intrinsic worth because we're created in his image. Right? God does not value us because of what we can do for him, but merely by the very... Existence of our being by who and what we are. So, so, so what I think this, this passage teaches us is that this is the only logical starting point for any kind of sense of worth. The reality is, here's the, the cool news, the reality is you are worth way more than you know. And not just because you made it up, because it's true. God values you. God values every human life. No matter how broken it is, or crippled, or disfigured, or poor, uh, whatever intelligence a, a human being has or doesn't have, the, the the most vile, homeless, crazy person on the street has intrinsic value to God. Um, and that, that, that's the beginning point for us of having a sense of our own value. But of course... Having worth and having a sense of it are two very different things. And the reality is that too many Christians do not feel like their life has worth. Uh, and you may today feel like you have no worth at all or very little worth. You may struggle with your sense of worth. And one of the issues is that we've been too much brainwashed by the way of the world that says, well, you just need to make up something so that you're special to yourself. You know, Don't even believe that lie, right? If, 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 if your only worth is that you're special to yourself, that's just depressing, okay? Be honest. It's just depressing. My only value is because I made up something about myself. Um, and we all know that we don't get the affirmation from people that we wish we did. Right? If, you're, if you're hoping people will affirm you and give you worth, you're just going to be disappointed a lot. Right? We need instead to develop the sense of what I would call God worth instead of self-worth. God worth. We need to develop this sense that we have incredible worth and value to the God who made us. So how do we do that? How do, I, how do we line up our genuine God worth with our own sense of worth or worthlessness, depending on where we are? Well, I really believe the answer is found in these confusing set of laws. And we're not going to go through all of them, but I wanted to summarize them into three groups and uh, show how these laws if you follow them in, the, in their general value, will help you build a sense of worth, a sense of God worth in your life. Um, so here, here, let's look at these three categories. And again, I don't want to try to in any way directly apply these, right? That, that you're, you're, you're actually a slave. Your boss is a slave driver. Right? You, you may feel that way, but don't try to connect the dots there. Okay, just don't even go there. Uh, But let me just give three broad core values that I think are true. The first one is our duty to preserve and protect human life. Okay, a lot of the laws relate to this, that human life is sacred and valuable, it's worth something to God, and therefore we must do everything we can to preserve and protect life. So obviously if you kill somebody intentionally, you've totally disregarded their worth and value before God, and the penalty for that is death. In, in, in the covenant. Again, this is why we're not going to make principles, right? Because I don't know that that's where we are today. But in this time, that was, that was the thing. The value of, of human life was so great, somebody murdered somebody, they, they had to pay with their own life. Um, likewise, if an animal even kills somebody, the animal must pay with its life. And nobody can eat the meat. Nobody can benefit from it. Uh, in the law, it makes clear that this even applies to the unborn child. Right? If somebody harms a pregnant woman so that the child is killed, it's the death penalty. If the child is harmed, there must be compensation. Um, so, so we protect life, and we do, we do not kill it, we preserve it, we protect it, but also we protect from harm. Right? So the, there's a whole other set of laws that talk about uh, if we in some way injure or harm somebody either in a fight or through negligence, through stu- stupidity, and somebody's injured or harmed, you are responsible, whether it's an intentional or accidental, you are responsible to compensate them for their time loss because they cannot work and to pay for their medical bills. Right? So again, we're preserving and protecting life. Um, interesting one, if someone dies because of our negligence, so if you have a bull and you know the bull is dangerous and you don't, you don't build the right kind of fence, you don't protect people from that bull, and that bull kills somebody, it's the death penalty for you, right? The death penalty for you. That's how serious it is. So even, even through just negligence, uh, through careless actions on our part. So, so here's the thing. We don't own bulls, probably most of us, right? Um, if we do, they may not be that dangerous. I don't know. But we drive cars every day. Right? We drive this 3,000-pound chunk of steel down the road at you know, 100 kilometers an hour. Uh, do you drive in a way that values the lives of people around you? Or do you put people in harm's way by your carelessness? Um, interesting, he says that if, uh, if if you somebody dies because of your negligence, you must pay with your own life. However, um, There's a way to pay a ransom price, and we'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, Interestingly, one other cause for the death penalty is mistreating one's parents. Okay, and parents get in a special category on their own. Uh, Capital punishment only goes if you kill somebody unless it's your parents. But if you strike or disrespect your parents, it was punishable by by death. It is showing the extreme importance of parents in, in that culture. Okay. Second, huge core value is the is the high value of freedom. He says, when you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh year, he shall go out free. Right. Um, sometimes people had to be uh, in, indebted because of bad choices or disasters, but it was never to be a lifelong option. Uh, Verse sixteen it says this: Whoever steals a man and sells him, in other words, human trafficking, and anyone found in possession, any, anyone participating in human trafficking, shall be put to death. Right? Huge value on human freedom. Uh, third value: time is money. Uh, and I find this one very fascinating, and you guys will like this one. Okay, pay attention to this one. You are so important. Your life is so valuable. That as you live out your life in, in, in the seconds and minutes and hours of every day, even your time has monetary value. Right? Did you ever think about this? Uh, animals, back in this day, animals worked hard for people. They would plow their fields. They would give milk. They would run their mills, right? Uh, did people ever actually go out and pay their cow for a gallon of milk? Right? Did you set up a bank account for your ox, right? Do any of you pay your car for bringing you to church on Sunday morning? No, it's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. But people are so valuable that we are to compensate people for the use of their time when it benefits us. And, and it should be fair compensation. Um, so we get paid for work. Amen? They <laughs> be all about that. And we should get paid fairly. Okay, we should get paid... Uh, a wage that reflects our value before God. So if you're an employer, you should pay people fairly. You should give them compensation for who they are as human beings created in God's image. Uh, If you're an employee, you should not be afraid or feel bad about getting paid for the work you do. All right, so so what does all this mean? How does this help with our sense of self-worth? Well, the simple answer is is just this. When we come to value, we we, we will come to better value our own life and appreciate its worth before God by the way we treat others. You want to have more self-esteem, more self-worth? You want to feel better about yourself? Bottom line is you will build your sense of worth by how well you care for the things God cares for, the people God cares for. That's what this is all about. God cherishes and values every human life. It's his core value. Therefore, we should treat people with great care because they are precious cargo. Uh, and we care for people for two reasons. First, because God places such a high value on human life that he commands us to treat others as, as highly valuable and worth a great deal to him. So when we care for people, when we care about what God cares about, we honor God. Secondly, uh, we should treat every human being with dignity and worth because this is how we affirm and develop our own sense of worth. This is how it works. When you see some poor homeless child, uh, homeless orphan, whatever, and, and simply because they're a creature made in God's image, you care for them. Or when you fight for a victim of human trafficking, because they're one of God's treasured creations, when you help some elderly parent, even if it's not your own parent, because they are a grand creation of God Almighty, when you do that, you are demonstrating to yourself your own worth as a fellow human being who is one of God's glorious creations. Um, I really believe that the only way to really build a healthy sense of self-worth is when we value life and we serve and we give, uh, when we compensate people fairly for their time and effort, when we appreciate them, regardless of age, religion, social status, economic position, character, or if they like us. So, So think about the person you just would most despise, right? because they're poor, because they're homeless, because of their sexual orientation, does that person have value in your eyes? You see, when you value them, you're valuing yourself, Because you're acknowledging the inherent value as a creature made in God's image. Consequently, the more we treat people differently based on how we feel about them, the more critical and judgmental and prejudiced we are, the more we cripple our own sense of worth because we're saying that worth is not intrinsic. It depends on how good you are, how smart you are, how moral you are. Okay? Let me just uh, wrap this up and apply this in one more way. Um, So how can we really make sure we have a life that is worth it, that we're maximizing our worth before God? Um, In in the law here, there's a very uh, interesting verse that you've all heard. I'm going to read from verse 23 to verse 25. It says this, But if you harm somebody, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, Burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Uh, this is called uh, by theologians, talion law. Talion is the Latin word that means tooth. <laughs> so eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Talion law. And the principle here is that the very value, it's, it's the very value of a person that requires equal payment or compensation for what has been lost. Okay, that's, that's what our human worth implies. That justice demands if, if you cause harm or damage to somebody's eye, then you should lose your own eye. Um, this is a very interesting form of justice that, that would be interesting if we applied this because it would mean that a wealthy person could never buy their way out, right? I can't just say, well, I think my eye's worth about $1,000. Here's 1000 bucks. No, you lose your eye, right? Uh, you break somebody's arm, you get your own arm broken. Would you be more careful, <laughs> I'm thinking I would be very careful, right? This is a serious problem for all of us, right? Because the reality is we have all either intentionally or by our negligence caused great harm to other human beings. Maybe we haven't taken out an eye or broken somebody's arms, but our words can devastate another person, sometimes for a lifetime. Right? We can crush and wound people through our attitude and our actions, and through our selfishness and pride that crushes relationships and breaks people. um, How many people still have wounded and broken hearts because of you? Because of something we have said or done. Justice says, that's what you deserve. That's what you deserve. What's even worse still is this we are all guilty of dishonoring the Father of all creation who's given us life. Right? The penalty is death. But thankfully, there, there is a provision. There's a loophole. Right? Uh, if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has been warned but has not kept it, if you're negligent and it kills a man or a woman, its owner shall be put to death. But there is an option that a ransom can be imposed on him. And then he shall give the redemption for his life, whatever it is. There's the option to buy back your life with a ransom. A price is set. And if you can come up with a price, you can buy back your life from death. Praise God he so valued you and I that he ransomed your life with the very life and blood of Jesus. Right. So the Talian law is satisfied, but it's satisfied in the life of Jesus, who is our substitute, who paid the ransom for our life. And so we have been set free uh, And this value of human freedom, which we could talk a lot about, but, but the point is God has set us free. But here's the cool thing. He's given you and I the, the option. He's invited us to make ourselves bondservants. I didn't read this passage, but it says if a man loves his master and his family and wants to stay and remain as a slave to that master, he can go to the slave and he can become a bondservant by piercing his ear. Um, God invites you to be his bondservant, his free and willing slave who serves him for the rest of our days. Uh, You don't have to. But he invites you uh, as, as a master who we love, who we are devoted to, that we give our life in service to him. But here's the thing, last point. Here's the thing. Uh, he so values your life, he so values your service, that he absolutely will compensate fully everything you do for him in service. Right? God is keeping count of every second you give in devotion and service to him. And someday he's going to pay you back, right? He's going to keep an account. And in, in eternity, he is going to reward you for what you have done for him. So our life has worth not only intrinsically, but we have the option of banking it up, right, by serving God. And, he, uh, and it's a principle, it's a value here in this, in this text that our time, our energy, our effort must be compensated. God's not going to rip you off. And I'm thinking he pays pretty well, right? I'm thinking he's not going to be stingy, right? He's going to bless you uh, beyond imagination for everything you do in service to him.